Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Daniel King. I'm Rashad Navidi. And I'm Jake Cherapico. And I'm Jeremy Duvall. That's right. Uh, we're back again for another third edition army sort of first impression snapshot review. And I'm really excited today to have some players who have had experience with Undead all through second edition. Um, I'm excited to have Dan King live from the UK. You guys know him as a member of the rules committee and um, a real high caliber player. How are you doing today, Dan? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I uh, finished uh, the last season season as uh, UK number one again, so that was nice to get back to the uh, top. So that's cool. Yeah, no, generally, generally good. I mean, obviously, seeing how everyone's reacting to uh, third edition, apparently the sky is falling at a few points, but hopefully, you know, uh, we won't all die. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's sort of kind of like you hit on it. That's sort of what we want to try to do with these these initial impressions, which is. Um, kind of our initial thoughts but in the end i mean we'll probably touch base on this throughout the show is these are just initial thoughts there is really without having had tournaments and games you know you can have sort of initial ideas but really without the numbers and britain's analysis how can we know what's actually any good and or what are good memes uh we're just going to do our best to kind of give us some uh, initial impressions of the undead army list we also have on the show the master of cheese fresh off a night of hot dancing mr rashad how are you doing rashad that's right i'm a little hungover as usual but i cannot complain i'm very excited to do this hungover and in love broadcasting from uh the mansion of scott holcomb the pirate master so Exactly. They're having game day here right now, so uh, there's about eight players here right now that are all playing the first uh, game day in third edition, and everybody's very excited. Wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah, that's definitely a place if we ever get you out to the West Coast or western part of the United States, Dan, we got to get you down to Scott's house in Southern California. He's got a yes. really... You know, he's got a really nice place. They have the Riddle Steel there and game days, and he's got a really nice jacuzzi, so uh, really a great um, house to play games at so yeah sound awesome although i must admit uh me and Rashad are uh, going to be doing living legends next year aren't we that's right oh interesting i couldn't resist it is it a vodka distillery i like i, I like drinks it sounds good I, I love doubles so yeah i couldn't resist it i needed somebody to up my game so it's good that i'm doing that <laughs> And Living Legends is awesome. That's probably one of my favorite tournaments. Uh, for you guys who don't know, it's a, a doubles team tournament run by Jeffrey Swan at the Black Eyed Vodka Distillery in Fort Worth, Texas. So they take over a whole vodka distillery. There's a lot of great caliber play, a lot of fun. You know, it's a doubles tournament that really mixes both like competitive play, but also fun drinking, like all the stuff that you would love from a a doubles event or a competitive event that this event sort of has all of it. One of my uh, favorite events. And then also we have on the cast is my fellow Wheel of Time, Growing to Love and host of Unplug Radio. Jake, how are you doing, Jake? 
doing good. Yeah, I'm excited to to be on. Thanks for having me. Sure, definitely glad to have you on. If you haven't seen, Jake's been a, a long time undead player and a very good hobbyist. His army, his undead army, is very beautiful. So. I'm really happy to have him on the show. So first, what we're going to do, and why don't we start with you, Dan, is uh, I like kind of when we're beginning to do either an army review or these snapshot reviews to sort of get people who play the army to give us like a little elevator pitch in that like if someone was going to ask you, hey, Dan, why should I play Undead? You know, what would be your sort of quick little like uh, elevator pitch of why should you play Undead? And would that has that pitch changed at all from second to third is it still the same or what would you tell someone asking you you know why should i play undead first up um this is really the the main reason versatility undead i've got so many different play styles if if you want to go pure hittiness you know you can go vampire things soul readers uh, if you want to go slow and grindy yeah we've got that uh, if, if uh, you want to go with lots of flyers dragons and things sure why not uh, large inventory based if you want to go werewolf heavy yeah more probably than any other army in the game they've got so many options i mean i mean they, they were that way in second but now we've got gorb lights balefowl catapults are now viable they've just got so many options yeah for, for, for versatility and just just downright coolness i mean the models look great undead have got it all cool okay what about you rashad same same question to you what is great about the i mean first of all the Obviously, the look of an undead army can be amazing if you're into vampires and werewolves and, uh, you know, the undead in general, like I am. It's a good army for you to play. But one thing that I really enjoy about them is that the movement part of the army. So, like, you have access to a lot of surge. You have a lot of surgical units. And it's a, it's a very finesse-type uh, play if you play a, a list with a lot of, like, surge options. So that's what I enjoy about them the most, probably. And Jake? Yeah, I was going to say... The number one thing that drew me to them was both the look and the surge. I like to my my local store called it the cheating phase for me because you know they could maneuver really well and then my two lich kings would just change whatever I wanted into where it needed to be. So it's it's a really fun play style, very flexible. But like Dan said, they can do anything pretty well. So that's a really nice part of the army. And just just to interject there regarding uh, surge, of course. Back in playtesting, I, I ran, like, uh, three Revenant Kings and three Necromancers at 2,000 points. There was Surge everywhere. It was crazy. <laughs> because the points have gone down so much on them now, so it's like, ooh, Surge. I think you guys make up a lot of good points, really. Uh, I think a, a lot of what draws us to Kings of War, right, is the movement phase and having movement be such a key tactic part of the game. And what Undead does is, is essentially lets you break that phase. I think it's also worth noting, especially in third, that Undead gets stompy characters on a way that few other armies get. I mean, a Vampire Lord is scary on so many different fronts because it can hunt down characters with duelists, it has a lot of attacks. So you also get, if you really like the idea of like one or a couple very powerful characters, Undead do that well. And don't forget, of course, now, um, with uh, Surge being what it is, you can um, move uh, your units up onto a hill uh, near an opponent's unit, surge them off, and then you get in that uh, TC. So, uh, nice. Yeah, you know, this is one of those armies that, like what Dan said, is that you and Rashad and Jake have hit on, is that you can really play it in a lot of different ways. And it's like, I've always liked it. such a rich narrative that can go with Undead. 
you know, there's a reason why so many D&D adventures revolve around the undead or why the Ravenloft world is so interesting. You know, gothic horror, I think, is so rich. It's it's a very visual. Yeah, exactly. And then I think that sort of sort of that transfers over to the the sort of the spectacle of an army that you can really do a lot with um with undead. I mean, for me it really goes back to like the Warhammer undead, if you guys remember the 4th edition codex that our army book that was all purple and red and it's like really colorful when I think about art, that was really the picture that sort of inspired my undead army of being like purples and reds and stuff like that but really i think for me what what got me into undead was i think a models first of just really wanting that that undead horde and then i think what uh you guys have mentioned when you're playing an army and you invest a lot of time of it time into painting and uh, working on it when that army can do different play styles it's really giving you a lot of value to time right so instead of having to do two different armies to get two different play style experiences if you are slower at painting you can paint the undead and add different units and then you can play it in different ways so i think it does net you a lot of value in that you can get different play experiences out of the same sort of skeleton of an armies skeleton seat get it just uh, you mentioned about the uh, book uh, I, I that's when i started with undead as well the the, the old uh, warhammer book although i didn't really get my whole army painted until um oh, i don't know the uh, summer of chaos uh, I, I had a whole army of Sylvania where you could summon zombies everywhere and uh, gw were always like yes this army will always be legal so i made the whole army and then they made it illegal uh, that didn't really play Warhammer after that, so uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't make it to the end times. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, um, maybe in three years you can take another look. But anyway, so let's <laughs> let's, move, <laughs> let's move maybe. on. Maybe maybe. So what we're gonna do today, uh, as we did in the the uh, Basilean, uh snapshot, is that we're gonna kind of look at the. Um, subsections of the army list so we're going to look at infantry ranged infantry large infantry heroes you know and what we're going to do is we're going to kind of pick up and discuss maybe winners losers or big changes or sort of what are the the things that really as undead players jump out to us you know it's not going to be an extensive we're not going to necessarily read every stat profile or go over every unit you know we're really early in the edition so I think that there is just no way to know what the meta is going to look like, how it's going to shake up. You know, what we say is good now in six months could not be good or could be even better. So we're not really trying to predict necessarily what's going to happen. It's more of like, okay, third edition is out. I'm super excited. Undead's one of my one of my armies, personal armies, and I just have always loved them. So that's kind of like our goal today is sort of just talk about the general changes, what's good, what's you know uh, maybe not as good, and and what maybe are we anticipating to be builds? What may be ways to start with undead if you're coming to it for the first time? We're gonna start with infantry, and I think a first thing to go with first is sort of let's take a look at uh, zombies because I think zombies have kind of had some interesting changes. Compared to second edition, you know, zombies now are coming in a little cheaper. Dash 28, which is also an amazing, great, fantastic website. Go check it out. Shameless plug. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> 
you guys got lucky there. You guys got lucky there. We actually changed it to Dash 27 in testing, but then uh, they were just slightly underpowered, so I was like, oh, go on, we'll put it back to Dash 28 then. See, it pays to have friends in high places. You would have been on the phone to Mike Atkins, like, you know, change everything. So so zombies, we see a change. They drop down in points. Their defense goes to two. They lose a little attack. They lose some attacks. I think this is still a really interesting unit. Um, what are your guys' sort of thoughts on uh, zombies? Why don't you go first, Dan? Talk a little bit about the change to zombies, maybe what your guys' thinking was. Zombies were fine in second edition. Skeletons weren't. No one wants skeletons, which sucks, because skeletons are awesome. Mantic made lovely skeletons. We wanted to make skeletons viable. Uh, I, I specifically did. I mean, the whole rules committee did. But um, anyone who doesn't like the change to zombies, you, you can blame me, because it was basically my fault. So basically, um, yeah, we just wanted to make skeletons viable. So I had the thought of making zombies even crappier. Because, you see, back in the original second edition, nothing was defense two until Uncharted Empires when we decided to do to like rack in uh, slaves and things so having more options for building I was like okay let's make them crappier get rid of some attacks and because we've dropped some crushing and piercing across the uh, 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 across in, in general the, the skeletons now having two more defense uh, suddenly there's more of a difference and hopefully um, I'm thinking they'll be more viable yeah you know I ran zombies a lot in second edition in, in numerous ways I sort of started as as the Legion with Hammer of Measured Force or the Legion with Brew of Sharpness to try to capitalize on those big numbers of attacks. But then I also ran them a lot just like Regiment for objective holding, objective sitting, where I'd run five or six zombie regiments. So when I'm looking at this, it, it, it maybe loses a little bit on that big Legion playing it that way with the 40 attacks, but they are so cheap. I mean, a dash 15 for 70 points it's kind of filling that sort of expendable role but a little cheaper i know jake you've run zombies in the past what are your thoughts on the zombie change so for me i very quickly after maybe like one tournament i stopped running them with pretty much any item and really thought of them as like a like a throwaway tar pit hammer you know just absorb your hits if it did damage great if not i wasn't too worried about it and so the drops to attacks and defense really just lines up with how i was using them anyway i do really like that it forces me to look at skeleton warriors a little bit more if i want that dual tar pit slash something that can hit back a little bit they definitely you can't you can't look at a legion of zombies now and think that'll grind out something anytime because you know, 30 attacks, hang on fives, it still isn't bad, but your defense too, so you're not really going to last against most things for probably more than two rounds. Yeah, I think just the identity of the unit has changed, you know, whereas before you could kit a zombie legion out to be a threat that you would have to deal with. You know, Bane Chanted Zombie Legion with Brew of Sharpness was something that you had to think about, How well, how am I going to do, do this? And I don't necessarily see that as something that you would do now, but it does, one way of using them did get better, like you said, is of, I need, if, if in your army you need cheap bodies, this is a really, really, really great unit. I know, Rashad, you've played with Double Zombie Legion in the past. What's sort of your thoughts on zombies now? When I first saw them, I was, um, uh, I was surprised that the attacks went down first from 40 to 30 because that was a big reason for a lot of people to take them. Overall, looking at them, they, they got cheaper, so uh, that's a plus, even though they went down in defense and the attacks uh, were lowered. 
but also they gained a unit strength for the Legion, which is great. For 170 points, I don't think there's anything else in the game that gives you unit strength for, for 170 points. But same thing the way you were talking about, um, Jeremy, what you were saying about the regiment, though. The regiment is super sexy at dash 15 for 70 points. I mean, that's almost like one of the cheapest units in the game. I think it's still a very, very good unit. I do like that they were they were more on par now with skeletons, I want to say, for like how much bang for your buck do you get? Because maybe they were a little bit too good in the last edition because they hit like a like a freight trick, you know? It was crazy how how many wounds you could get out of a zombie legion at times. Sometimes you would roll 20 hits out of 40, right? You know, when it was swingy. So I'm going to miss that a little bit, but I think there's still a very, very good option. I, th- I think kind of what we got now is, uh, at least the way I tried to get it, is that each of the main infantry units would do something a little bit different. I mean, zombies, you've got your uh, cheap unlocks and your cheap um, unit strength for pillages. Or you've got your skeletons where you up your defense. Spears where you've got your uh, counter-attack potentially stopping things. Or revenants where you've got a little bit of both. Uh, and of course, ghouls are completely different, but I'm sure we'll come to that later. One other plus that the zombies have right now, I feel like in this edition, and I haven't looked at all the armies yet, but in general, shooting, uh, I think it's anticipated that there's going to be less shooting in this edition. And I think that, again, makes uh, troops or uh, like zombies... Uh, better again because um, they don't have to fear being uh, shot by, you know, we all know elven archers are not great anymore, <laughs> you know, they don't have to fear being shot down in a turn because I've had it before where with breath weapons or with shooting, you could take out a zombie legion in one turn and um, now facing less shooting will make them actually, again, a, a very good viable choice. Jeff Swan was pointing that out. Yeah, no, that's a good point in that when you, if you would lose zombies early or when that sort of strategy of leaving zombie regiments on objectives wasn't as good, it was when they could get picked off um, by shooting. So, I mean, in all honesty, if usually when I when I'm placing down pillage tokens, I'll stick a pillage token behind a building, some sort of impassable where no one can see. I'll plonk zombies on it, assuming I get that side. I'll, I'll put one on both sides if I can. And then your opponent's really got to come and deal with it. And I did it against uh, Matt uh, James at the Clash of Kings. Uh, and he basically he sent over some gore riders. And do you know what? The gore riders killed those zombies. They also spent the whole game doing nothing else. So I counted it as a success. Yeah, and that's something we've talked about in List Builder Studio before, right, is uh, oftentimes losing units but tying up more points. Uh, you end up losing your unit, but it's a win for you, basically, because you tied up those other points. Another unit I think is uh, interesting, and uh, especially with uh, a new item, is the Revenant Skeletons. I always would love running Revenant Hordes in 2nd Edition, and I think now that you can give them rats and that the life leech item can go up to a maximum of three you know a dash 24 defense five unit with life leech three uh uh, in the words of andy ransom is just super tasty have you had you guys ever really won revenants i mean i think that the rev that revenant horde is now sort of the new zombie legion in that if you're looking for that tar pit that's your that's your tar pit now yeah it's a fantastic unit especially the way you said it with the life leech item Although that last leech item would also be really cool on a, <laughs> I might reserve that for a vampire lord on a dragon. With last leech tree, that would be awesome too. But the revenants are they're very very good, especially with having more access to surge now in this edition as well. You can get them into combat very very quick, so I think it's a fantastic choice. I mean, it's 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 somewhat debatable, though, isn't it? Because obviously you could also take skeleton spears. Okay, they don't have quite the same nerve of defense, but they've got phalanx. 
and you know if your opponent's going to be running uh, flyers and cavalry and such that phalanx is so good i mean obviously if you stick your revenants in a forest <laughs> fine great but otherwise you know those, those spearmen can take a lot of punishment i do like phalanx I wasn't a big user of Revenant Hordes, mostly because I didn't have models painted. Um, towards the end of second, I did actually, at Crossroads, I played a Revenant Horde, and it was a lot of fun. I think Revenant Hordes are actually one of the things in this edition that I've looked at the most and said I don't really see a place in my playstyle for it, only because its price marker is getting too close to some of the other units that I think better for my playstyle. Um, 205 points is a lot of points to play, pay for a, a tar pit when you can just have you know skeletons or zombies that are going to do it almost as well, and then I can save 45 points and put more points into whites or zombie trolls or you know Soul Reaver infantry or some of those really tasty units that I think are going to be really frightening, whereas a Revenant Horde I think is still going to struggle to fight its way out of a lot of different situations. Well, don't forget, they're probably the best option for the Hammer of Measured Force. Uh, you're talking six damage against anything. That's really solid. True. I wasn't a proponent of Hammer of Measured Force in second, and I think um, with the decrease in defense six, with uh, especially with certain armies seeming to like skew a little bit away from that, I don't think it's as must take but with alex chavez in my region it's probably something i should at least always look at <laughs> nice to have options either way and i think this you really hit on it there right which is undead is the army of options you know as we're looking through these changes there's so much stuff that looks good and looks good in different ways i mean i really love revenants in the fact that when you would deploy them people would say okay what are those and you go oh they're a little bit better skeletons these witches that's true. It's not like you're like lying to your opponent, but so many times people underestimate the durability of that unit and they get stuck. And then that's when you bring in your surge from the sides. You know, often the horde is big enough you can angle it to be on two objectives. Or I felt that like scenario play that the horde of revenants won me a lot of games. And so their value, I think, uh, they give you a lot of value in the actual gameplay that may not be as relevant in their unit profile. But, you know, there's lots of different ways to play Undead. So um, as we're kind of uh, mentioning here, and then I also had Skeletons Painted, which, as we've talked about before in the Duval meta, whatever's painted is what uh, is the most OP unit. To be honest, it was actually flagged up in testing that Undead probably had too many options uh, we did consider dropping a couple of units. Um, we were looking at dropping uh, mummies and pharaohs from the army because obviously a lot of people think it would make more sense if they were just an empire of dust. And do you know what? We agreed. Uh, we really considered doing it. What stopped us in the end was the fact that the undead army box comes with mummies. And, you know, I mean, Mantic sell mummies to players and then suddenly they can't use those miniatures for the army. Became, it's, it's a bit of a slippery slope. But realistically, we would have liked to have removed those and shunned them just to Empire Dust. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, I always thought the mummies didn't fit in fluff-wise um, very well into, like, the idea of what an undead army should be. So I usually stayed away from them, although they're a very, very good unit, and it's nice to have access to them. Well, I think one unit are some, some real tangible changes is wraiths. So wraiths have gone down in speed slightly from 10 to 7, but they now have strider, which is really interesting. What do you guys think about the new wraiths? 
That was actually something I uh, came up with. So we were looking at reducing some of the flyers across the board uh, speed, because obviously it's something we trialled in second edition. So we were like, okay, well, that, that race are probably a good good option for that. And I was thinking, well, the kind of ethereal army, the phantoms and things. So I was like, why don't we give them Strider? And everyone else was like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, people play tested it, loved it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a fantastic change in my opinion. Um because I've had it multiple times where I would be getting a flank charge, a really juicy flank charge with the rates, even being shining them, and then hitting on fives because they're going through a forest. Just totally, you know, took took the wind out of the out of that juicy surge charge, right? So I think yeah. Strider is a really really good option. Plus, it just makes again something a bit different. Uh, each unit, you, you're trying to make it as varied as possible. Little changes that actually change the play style of the army and give you options. Uh, yeah, Undead really do have options. And, and the rates are now more viable to run as a, if you wanted to run an all-flying surge list, you could literally show up with like four or six Wraith regiments to, for unlocks. Yeah. And it would be a great start already. Like you could totally and do if, that, right? And of course, because we were able to bring the speed down and everything, we were also able to reduce the points. So those troops are now better uh, chaff options, although you can't throw them forward the same way you could with the others. But I don't know. Pros and cons. Speed seven is still very fast. I mean, you're on top of your, you're basically with your opponent um, yeah. beginning of turn two or three. So that's still very, very good. I, I think it works ideal with like the uh, slower, more shambling undead builds. They're not going to pair up quite so well with werewolf builds anymore. Yeah, I used to use three troops pretty much every game as my like aggressive anti-chaff chaff, even though it was a little expensive because of the 10 speed. And so I think their role with these changes has changed, but I'm actually excited for it because, like Rashad said, the number of times I've gotten hindered flanks that just whiff horribly, and Undead doesn't have any you know, natural Pathfinder or Strider in the list in second, so this gives us a really neat tool that this unit, it's no longer my you know, chaff piece that's going to control 20 inches of board space, but with Surge, when I'm threatening those flanks, their threat is still going to be pretty comparable. And having that Strider means it's a much more aggressive threat than like something you can just shrug off. So I'm excited to see that change. I think we gave them a pretty cool keyword as well, Phantasm. And when you think about it, since they can't move at the double, I think the speed reduction from 10 to 7 is not as, as hard-hitting as it would be on a unit that can move at the double. So really, they've lost six inches of movement when they charge but other than that that loss of movement hasn't affected anything else that they can do right i mean you know they they can't move at the double and turn or there's a lot, a lot of other things where that movement uh hit is not quite as uh hard and i think what jake brought up is a really great point which is now there's a unit in the army that has strider you know i think that that is really interesting they rates still keep their great defensive utility but now you get a little bit more consistency in their offense potential and they're cheaper because what was frustrating with rates before is you take a couple damage on a troop and they'd get a lucky nerve roll and you'd lose them that was rough that's why i sort of went from troops to regiments at one point just to try to uh hedge dice variants on losing troops of wraiths due to their cost so I think, and, and I like too what Dan said, which is one thing that they've done, Dan, and maybe you speak to this a little bit, but the effort to add nuance and flavor and uh, difference between units, I think, is is 
uh, paramount in like the DNA of third edition to me when I look at it. You know, the elementals is a good example of looking at how now all the elementals like fire, water, earth, they all feel more different and have a little bit more character. And I think Strider to Wraiths uh, is sort of a, an example of that philosophy in the undead list. Yeah, I mean, one of the things people asked for, what, uh, it was common feedback from, from some some of the uh, ex-Warhammer players and such for second edition is they liked they wanted a little bit more flavor in things. So we tried to add little options, little upgrades, more variation. We didn't want to, we didn't want to go crazy, but I think what we've done is it just makes things more interesting. There's more possible theme lists, more variety, and I think it's I think it's pretty cool. One thing I will note about Wraiths, obviously one thing they have lost is you. It, it's now much harder to get behind an enemy unit. So previously you might have had a troop behind your infantry, you would have jumped 10, turned, pivoted twice and ended up behind. It's it's still possible, but it's it's now harder. But that's fine, you can still go in flanks and things anyway, and, and you might get the odd uh, rear, so... And I would say as more the addition got on, the higher caliber player got better at defending against that, you know, uh, of blocking yes. those fly behind whereas that 10 inches would still allow you to do that to punish newer players but now uh that will be a little bit harder which i think you know could be good for newer players but no that's a valid point the fly pivot land behind you surge was always the danger with wraiths you know or any flying 10 shambling unit i've pretty much always ran rates and in the last four years i want to say i've gotten that move of jumping behind a unit maybe off once and particularly because you can either charge into the rates and knock off the fly, or you could just disorder the search caster, which is what most people focused on anyway. And so that move was very, very difficult to pull off anyway. But in general, also Thunderous Charge was stripped from a lot of units, or a lot of units lost uh, innate crushing strength in this edition. And I think that will make rates even better, because coming with Defense 6, being able to park in the forest, or any type of dangerous terrain will make them a very, very good option right now. And I love from a from a hobby perspective, Wraiths is one of those units that you can do so many cool stuff with because essentially they're ghosts, right? So you could take kind of any model that you wanted, either the actual Wraith model or if you wanted to take any sort of soldiery looking model and just paint it like a ghost. I think Wraiths is like one of those cool model opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's good for people who want to, say, run a uh, an Ormantic army and they want to use specific miniatures because you could just get like a load of orcs or something, goblins, and paint them all wraith-like, and there you go. Yeah, that's what, exactly what I was thinking. It's a really great opportunity for you to do creative modeling choices. Okay, well, you know, as we're starting wrapping up the infantry section, and really in infantry, we could go on. I think we could do a whole episode about the infantry, you know, just because there's so many great choices. I just want to touch briefly, because I think we're really going to see this unit, is the Soul Reaver Infantry. Now, um, the infantry itself has, I mean, the, the, the Soul Reaver stats themselves have not changed that much, but I wonder if just the landscape of the edition itself has made these guys be better. What do you guys think about the Soul Reaver Infantry? I think the notable change is the change to the Soul Reaver Cav, which makes the Soul Reaver Infantry more appealing. We'll probably get to it soon, but Soul Reaver Cavs decreases the stats, means that the difference between them and the infantry is less harsh, if you will. And so the infantry's extra attacks, you know, innate crushing too, just is that much more appealing, which I, I 
definitely have looked at a lot. <laughs> and we can touch on that. So the Soul Reaver cap, is, I think it is an interesting comparison because they are the same points right now. So the Soul Reaver cab went down to 250 points, the same as the infantry, and the Soul Reaver cab lost a point of defense and a point of TC, so they're crushing one, thunderous one, but they still have a 20 attacks um, with speed 8, but they are the same cost of the infantry, whereas now, previously, you know, prior formation, no one took Soul Reaver Infantry, really, right? Because it's like, why would I take them when I can pay extra points and have speed 8 with slightly less attacks but defense 6 Soul Reavers? Now they re- it really is, okay, well, what do I need them to do? I think looking at both of those units together is not a bad idea and talking about sort of the, the value or role of the Soul Reavers in the new edition. Uh, I think... Uh, it, it, when you bounced with them, they were often wavered, even with the defense six. Like things would do five or six wounds to them and then roll a 10. Like I had it happen all the time. And you're going to have the same problem with the infantry, but the infantry right now hits so hard. Uh, and I, I'm assuming there's going to be lots of people playing infantry regiments. It can pretty much chew through almost anything, especially if you give it an item such as elite or vicious or maybe even sharpness. I think mathematically, elite will give you almost as many. Uh, extra hits as sharpness so for 20 points it's a that's a great meat grinder to have right there of course sharpness is pretty cheap on a regiment too yeah i mean i look at the the cav and think about i ran soul reavers in second edition a la the dan king special of brew sharpness so now i can give these soul reaver cav brew sharpness and they're cheaper than they were previously so i think that both units are still pretty good. I just wonder, for me, looking at these two, the Soul Reaver Cav versus Soul Reaver Infantry, and thinking about, well, what would be the most optimal, I think it's just one of those questions on how big is Phalanx going to be in your meta. Because Phalanx is huge. I mean, it's either going to give you nothing if you have no Cav or uh, you know Flyers or whatever, but it can be really, really, really powerful. So I think Phalanx can be meta-altering or meta uh, influencer, but we just don't know yet at this stage. So that's why it's really hard to tell. I think it kind of depends how what role you want both for as well. I mean, that infantry is great from a grind point of view. I mean, any, they're going to take the charge pretty well from things. Imagine if you put them in a forest or something, they're going to take the charge and they're going to kill anything on that counter charge and they're still crushed too. Whereas solely the cab, I mean, okay, you've got the speed, you don't really want them charged first overly because then you're losing your tc and there's there's slight differences isn't there but i I do think it does depend quite what you're pairing them with i I was going to say they both also gained a unit strength let's not forget that which was a big problem but when you were spending over 250 points on a really good unit and then you were only getting two unit strength out of it it oftentimes kept me from taking the solar infantry but both the infantry and the cavalry went up one unit strength in this edition, which I think is necessary for a unit that expensive. I think also, I mean, the wraith change we just discussed means that the chaff that's in the list chaffs much better for Soul Reaver infantry than it does for Soul Reaver cav. There's not something that's even remotely cheap, except for maybe a likeness that can keep up with a Soul Reaver cav regiment to chaff well, well for it. Well, I mean... Ghoul troops are 70 points for speed 6. They're pretty good. Yep, I like the ghoul troops a lot. Um, I just don't think 
I mean, they they chaff as well, if not better, for the Soul Reaver infantry. That's sort of where my mind sees it. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. Not that the Soul Reaver cap are untakeable, but I think that's why you're going to see more Soul Reaver infantry, especially than you saw before, but perhaps even more infantry than the the cavalry. The, the synergies in the list, I think there's more choices that are going to be commonly seen that synergize better with infantry. But that could also be my play style. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're sort of getting ahead slightly here, but Revenant Cavalry uh, Troops, uh, 105 points for Dash 14 Nerve, are actually Pretty good. quite yeah. good as well. You can put them behind the regiment, move them through eight inches and block up some charges, so it's possible. Best chaff in the game, in my opinion. Yeah, and we'll, I mean, we'll, when we get to there, we'll soak around as both Rashad and I are of the RevCav Troop School and have used those to great success in our armies. I think... One thing you'll see with Soul Reaver Cav and Soul Reaver Infantry is I think in miniature wargaming, when a unit that you have used gets nerfed, even when it's still good, if there's something that's sort of comparable, often people will just move to that unit. Because it's one of those things where even if it's still good, this other thing is just about as good or different and it's something new to try. And there's always that like taste in the back of your head where you're like, oh, I miss how this used to be. So I could see that being an element and why people try the infantry regiments a little bit now and maybe put their Soul Reaver Cav, uh, you know, to the side as it's it's something new. And oftentimes that defense six was a handicap in that you could just put it places and you wouldn't really have to worry about it. And now defense five is a little bit more susceptible to being uh, damaged, but... Again, we're just going to have to see. I think the, both the units are good, solid, viable choices, but I wouldn't be surprised, as you guys have made, mentioned uh, and Jake pointed out, with a little bit more of the support pieces um, that we see more Soul Reaver infantry, which, again, is good because prior to the Alona formation, no one played Soul Reaver infantry. So uh, it will be nice to see that as an option you, that you can take. So for ranged infantry, you know, we don't really have to say much here. I mean, I think skeleton archers are still skeleton archers. I think the skeleton archer in the troop is still good. I know Rashad and I have talked about that in the past many times. I like personally having uh, troops of quasi-chaff that can also do something in the shooting phase. Well, they are fearless, which is a great plus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fearless... uh, uh, can always be good because usually when that stuff you want to either die or live, not be wavered getting in your way. I, I mean, honestly, for 95 points, dash 15, defense free, it's the sort of unit that, unless you're very heavy shooting, you're probably going to have to deal with in melee or just accept that they're going to pepper you with a few shots and then probably take that token at the end of the game. And then for Swarm, uh, we now have the Death Pack, which was in the last edition, but we sort of have this new category, Swarms. I think this goes again to fit with the Undead, has so many great, awesome chaff options. You know, we've talked about some brief, briefly up to this point with with Wraiths and Ghouls, and we'll talk about them in a second with Revcav. But the Death Pack, a nice little unit. It's no longer fearless like what it was, but it now comes stock with Stealthy as opposed to before you would buy the upgrade. Um, I still think it's a, a nice little get-in-your-way unit. I know, Jake, we've been talking, and you have these guys in some of your early builds. What are your thoughts on that? 
I was just going to say, um, I was a huge, huge fan of Troops of Ghouls in 2nd Edition. And I still like the Ghouls, but I can't help but look at what you get for 5 points with the Death Pack. Um, I mean, Nimble is great. Stealthy means that the shooting that we see, which is primarily there to plink, plink off you know, smaller units, is going to have a harder time. I'm a really big fan of the Death Pack, um, and I think I'm you will see it more frequently. I know if you play me, you'll probably... I'm running around lists right now that have six of them, so <laughs> I'm wow. pretty excited for them. Yeah. <laughs> the, the inbuilt stealth is kind of cool, isn't it? Because it's the sort of unit that your opponent's probably going to try and shoot off. Yep. Because my ghoul troops frequently, if I didn't hide them behind, say, my large infantry for the first two turns, they would get shot off right off the bat. And the death packs are just less susceptible to that, more maneuverable because of the nimble, and then for only five more points in ghouls, I think it's an awesome unit. There's also great modeling options for this unit. A friend of mine suggested taking a necromancer and putting a couple of zombies in front of the necromancer, and then having the zombie basically chaining all of the zombies and holding them by the chains. That's a, That was a good idea, I thought. I've actually got some mantic free-ups of the uh, giant uh, dog rat so uh, they could be quite kind of cool in a death pack. And you bring up a good point, right? Being, uh, and I know you guys, and uh, especially a lot of props to to Dan and and how he's gotten a lot more hobby focused in the last you know couple years. And I know Jake is a great painter, and Rashad's like a really high caliber artist, and his armies look great. And that the death pack is a really really cool modeling opportunity, especially for those who are wanting to incorporate other Mantic models, you know, into a unit. This here is another great blank page sort of unit that you could do a lot of really cool stuff with. Just out of curiosity, would any of you guys run it at the Horde level? I looked only at the Regiment. I think Horde, um, maybe if you're going for a real themed list, I was thinking like vampires with, you know, their wolf, their wolves servants kind of thing. And I think that could look really cool. But I think if you're going pure utility, I want my chaff smaller. Uh, I think the Horde is a good option if you use the Hammer of Measured Force on them. Because um, you could get a flank with that, and it would be pretty nasty. Kind of like the way Jeff Swan plays the... What are the nature ones? Um, well, I was just going to say... I oh, think yes. They draw When I think about them in a Horde, I think Rashad's really keying on something. It just really brings into my head the Woodland Critters which is the, exactly. the nature equivalent. But the thing that the Woodland Critters have that the the Death Pack doesn't, they lose the Life Leech and Stealthy, but they pick up Fly and Pathfinder, which I think, for, and they're five points more expensive. So I think in the Horde, that's the, that kit of skills is, I think, maybe a little bit more valuable. So I haven't really thought much about the Death Pack in Regiments. Have you, during the playtest process, Dan, did you play it in Hordes at all? No, not really myself, although other people did. One thing I did want to mention about the Horde um, that you guys may not have occurred to you, it can do nimble charges, and, that, and that's kind of cool. And it's still only 125, so I just say if you do give it the hammer, suddenly the ability to dance out the way and be around the side is pretty interesting. Is there a reason the Horde is also only unit strength 1? Because it's a swarm, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, swarms by definition are always a unit strength one because just little rats and things. So yeah, it's it's a general design rule. Yeah, and forty eight attacks on fives and wounding on fours with hammer. I mean, that's no joke. I mean, and it's, just, and it's quite a cheap unit as well, to be honest. Yeah. Ambitious, so, right? Yeah. 
it's it's interesting. Yeah, this is one of those things, and I think you see it in Jake's list, right? That I don't think people really played with it much in second. I mean, maybe they sort of sprinkled it in at the last moment with the 2019 cock pack to maybe try it out. But now we're going to really see it uh, a lot uh, at, at sort of the bedrock beginning level for third edition undead list design. So it is one of those interesting units to see how it's going to get incorporated. Cool. Okay, well, next on uh, section we're going to talk a little bit about is the uh, Calvary. Uh, and we've touched a little bit on Soul Reavers, right, in comparison them to infantry, so uh, we won't really touch on them, but you did mention it previously. And this is, again, when I look at the changes to Undead, this is another unit that has a really interesting new dynamic, which is the Revenant Cav. At the troop, which I know Rashad and myself have, have used as chaff through almost all of 2nd edition, 5 points cheaper, still defense 5, dash 14, uh, still great, but also you can now buy Revenant Cav in a horde, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think, don't, don't quote me on this, but I, th- I think that was my idea. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think Kings of Men of, of, and things, they always had like night hordes, and I was always like, why can't I have a night horde? So now we've got a night horde. <laughs> so we can blame oh God, you, we can get mad at you for the zombie attack decrease, but also thank you for the Rev Cav horde. Yes, yes, probably. I think it was me. Guys, this is the new cheese. When I saw, when I heard about this unit, it made my mouth water. Like I was like, oh, oh, oh my god, I get a get a ref cow for it. That dash twenty four in, in a horde is unbelievable, and you're in combat turn two. There's nothing that can stop you from that uh, unless your opponent walks backwards. You will be where you want to be with it. It's fantastic. I, 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 I guess I'll be the wet blanket a little bit. Um, I I don't like my units that I'm relying on to do damage hitting on fours. 32 attacks is great, so obviously that makes up for it some. But you have a huge footprint. It's 280 points. I think if you take these, you need to take Jesse's boots with them. Otherwise, you're going to be hindered every single time in hitting on fives, in which case you aren't going to be killing anything. I think these will... You'll see them a lot initially, but I think... Um, I like my hammers more compact, hitting on threes, so I, I personally would only use them for the awesome modeling opportunities that a cab horde gives. It is a bit of a hybrid unit, isn't it? Because obviously dash 24, defense 5, I mean, that, that's just as hard to kill as a uh, revenant uh, infantry horde. Uh, that's going to take a lot of punishment. I mean, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I'd actually be tempted to give them the crushing strength. Okay, I know we're going to be hindering mm, so a lot. So they could grind, right? Yeah, but you're still, even hitting on fives, you're still talking about ten hits. You've got your crushing, and, and, and if you do hit full power, my word, that, that's going to hurt. And they're still going to take an awful lot of punishment. And I would also be tempted to back them somewhere with, like, a Necromancer, Bane Chant, and then suddenly, you know, it's basically a stampede then. You Bane Chanted them, you get your crushing, so you, you're damaging defense six on twos. My word. Yeah, I think they're a really interesting unit in that often if you're running fast undead, what you missed was having a big durable footprint or like a, a sort of something like an infantry horde. And in many ways, this rev cab gives you some of those benefits of having if you need to take up board space or you need something that's a little bit more durable, but you want it to be able to keep up with the rest of your stuff. So I think running two of these as a, as a center of your line could be really great. And I know... Uh, a lot we're seeing a lot of either the brew of strength uh, getting the regiment discount or I see, I'm seeing a lot of double regiments running one runs Pathfinder and one runs the J boots 
So essentially, you have two units that get the benefits, you know, because usually once you charge once into terrain, you're you're fighting there anyway, so... Don't, don't forget, of course, now, because you're measuring from any point on the uh, unit for charges, that, that's a lot of board control that her horde's presenting. That's a good point. Yep, I forgot how much, how much that gives, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, my first game, I used them on my left flank, and I deployed them maybe two or three inches from the table edge, so I flanked the knight with them. And my opponent had his dragon on that side. And there's the high paladin on dragon. And the whole game, my opponent wasn't going to charge because I parked him in a forest as well. So he was going to be hindered, even with a triple charge charge with an Urlohai, the um, high paladin on dragon, and uh, I think it was a palace card horde. Even with those three units, he could not break it because he was going to be hindered. So it's super tactical. It's a very tactical piece now with the footprint, I think. And like Jay was saying, it's going to look damn good on the table. I like the RevCab Horde. You know, it does give us, again, just more options. Like, back to that idea of Undead being just such a a heavy option. uh, Lots of different ways to go. So, next on the list is the Large Infantry. And uh, this this slot has some really juicy, interesting changes. I think first we just hit the big one. Let's talk Whites. I know, Rashad, you've had some games with the new whites. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts on the, the white change, which now whites, uh, they hit on threes. Uh, crushing two instead of crushing three, so they have lost to crushing. But essentially, they've been hanging out with the barrow whites, so now they're speed seven fly. So what do you think about those guys, Rashad? Uh, I think they're fantastic. The dash 17 defense five for a hammer is great and they are a real hammer uh, even in the front they're going to do some real damage with hitting on threes now probably put nimble on the first one and i'm i'm planning to run two and uh, haste on the second one so the second one basically becomes like a cavalry regiment like in, in third edition but uh, in terms of speed and hittiness but it's not cavalry so i like that about it and uh, with nimble i think you're going to be able to get amazing flank charges with it so they were very very good in my game. I think probably my favorite unit in the Undead right now is White. Yeah, I, um, I ran White Hordes through most of 2nd Edition um, with Brew of Sharpness, and so I'm really excited because essentially this makes them what I was running them as with Fly, which is awesome. Uh, it is worth noting they are irregular, so depending... Undead doesn't suffer too much from irregular, but depending on how many characters and pieces like that you're trying to put in your list, you might have a couple regiments to make up for the regularness of what are fairly expensive hordes, but I think the whites are one of the big, like, halo units, if you will, for undead now. So, Dan, was that sort of kind of like the idea on whites, is let's maybe incorporate some of the barrow whites, where most people just really, really, really love that unit? Or can you talk a little bit about when you guys were working on the white change, what your thoughts were? Mantic gave us a list of units if he wanted us to uh, drop or whatever. And we were told that Barrow Whites were being dropped. I didn't like that. So we came up with the idea of combining them with the basic Whites. And it was like, yeah, no one no one likes the normal Whites very much, for those who did. 
sorry. So we basically combined the Barrow Whites into Whites and uh, sort of came up with a unholy combination of awesomeness. So because uh, I was determined, I was I was I was keeping them in there. So uh, yeah, so we sort of made like this interesting combination, and uh, these were very interesting testing because people were spamming the damn things. Originally, they weren't a regular; uh, they were cheaper, and. We, we, each, each play test came out. We had, we had to put up points and do all sorts of things. In the end, they uh, went up a chunk, and obviously we became a regular. But, I, I, I mean, obviously you guys are still loving them, so we, I think we've probably got them in a reasonably good place. Oh, I like them a lot. No, I think they're great, and I think Jake brings up a good point in that they're really powerful, but you do in that you... Um, Undead has so many great monster character options that you uh, regular, even though we do unlock a lot of stuff, what we do unlock, there's competition for. So I think that is an, a good balancing tool with them because they, I mean, can you, uh, four units of whites with like Surging and Morgoth, who, as Steve Hildrew has said, is back from vacation now that we'll talk about later, flying around. I mean, that would be a really, 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 really tough army. So I think Irregular is fine. Um, I think they're great. Most undead players you talk to are making whites, are happy that they made them previously. So, um... Plus, have you guys seen the new model that's coming with the uh, uh, Infamy Kickstarter for White with that? And that one does actually look like it's flying as well, so perfect. <laughs> yeah, the, and the, the regular white models are fantastic models. I just bought them. They are metal, yeah. but the detail is really nice, and the size on them is really nice. They're larger than yeah. I thought they would be. And that's it. And people weren't really buying them because they weren't that good, really, in second edition. And I, I think I think we're in a solid place now that Mantic are going to definitely sell some whites. So, uh, no, it's good. Also, with the fly, you can park them behind, uh, like, smaller units, uh, let's say skeleton warriors or uh, ghouls, and then you can fly over that unit to charge as well, which is really, really nice. Uh, and then else in the large infantry slot, we have... Um zombie trolls uh which are really interesting in that we'll talk about it a little later but you can now get an aura on the necromancer that gives all zombie units vicious which now all of a sudden makes zombie trolls a little bit more interesting in that you know 18 attacks on forest with crushing two but but you add in vicious to that and they've also gone up to defense five um which is nice they lose a nerve, right? And they're a little bit more expensive, 15 points more expensive in the horde. But all of a sudden, defense 5, dash 17, 18 attacks on 4s with crushing 2 that can be shambled and also that you can stack vicious on. I think zombie trolls are uh, at a good spot. And I know, Dan, you were always a fan of zombie trolls. Um, I think they're looking pretty good now. I mean, I, I like to be in second from a, a raw, hitty point of view. Uh, people tended to ignore them because, you know, there was other things they'd rather kill. And then they were great for just surging into flanks and things. I mean, I mean, they're still good at that better if you've got the aura. But now, obviously, you, you, you've got that defensive ability. And, um, yeah, I, I like them. It was a difficult balancing act between them and whites uh, because, obviously, they do similar things. At, uh, so we had to make them both viable. And I th- I think we've got there. Um, yeah. They're also so much cheaper than whites, the zombie trolls. And uh, one, mm. actually, with the Brew of Sharpness would be a really good option. Hitting on threes, 18 attacks, crush two, possibly vicious. Very good unit, actually. Yeah. I mean, to start with, uh, initially, we, we, there was only something like a 30-point gap between the two of them. So you can see whites went up, zombie trolls went down as we uh, play tested. 
Cool. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, – Rashad brings up a good point is that uh, oftentimes in list building, uh, it's nice to know, okay, well, what's my hammer? And then what is an even hammer, hammery hammer-er-er if I have more points? Or where what's a good unit to go to if I have slightly less points? You know, so I think that's a good uh, comparison looking at the zombie trolls versus whites as, as being somewhat similar in how you kit them uh, if you're looking to fit in models or, or uh, shape points. But So we still have werewolves. Um, I know Rashad and I... Uh, Jake, did you ever really want run werewolves in your army? I know Rashad and I would run double werewolf hordes a lot in second edition. I wasn't really on the werewolf train, um, mostly because I don't think I was good at using them. So... <laughs> So I'll, I'll give kind of my thoughts, and then maybe Rashad can chime in. What I like about them is that they now um, they have unit strength three, which is like you know kind of equivalent to what a lot of regiments have, which is sort of like what they had in version two as a horde. So, but a lot of other things you know that maybe would have unit strength four have unit strength things. So I think in general their unit strength is at a nice spot. I think that large infantry, even though they lose nimble if they attack something and are damaged by phalanx, I think in general, large infantry is good in dealing with that type of stuff. And I think they are a unit who can really take advantage of charging from hills. So in many ways, it's like getting that Helm of the Ram back, you know, where they get TC1 uh, crushing one. I think that, and I played them so far in one tournament, and I was able to get a bunch of hill, hill charges with werewolves. Um... So I think they're in a good spot. They are pricey, but what about you, Rashad? In your third edition games, are you still using werewolves, or uh, have you taken them out of your list? I would like to use them, but right now, just whites, in my opinion, are the, the better option. And the reason why is um, my werewolves, oftentimes, when they bounce, they, they got wavered in the counter charge. It used to happen a lot. But I still think now that they're unit strength three again, because they needed that, that hurt them quite a bit in last edition to have, uh, you were running them with strength and it was always 280 points of, you know, uh, only unit strength two. It was just too expensive for what it did. And I think now they're actually, again, a viable option. Yeah, as, 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 as people probably know, uh, I, I run a lot of large infantry because I'm lazy at painted infantry. But um, I used werewolves quite a lot in uh, second edition. And, and what I found with that type of unit, well, obviously, the, the unit strength tweak we tried uh, on nimble and flyers, it, you know, had pros and cons. But it, it just wasn't wasn't something I was really happy with, so I really wanted to revert that. I mean, obviously, the points have gone up. We, we, we have the speed tax across the board, um, trying to make inventory and cheaper units more viable. So, yeah, they're not not maybe quite as good as it used to be, although the unit strength helps, but I still think they're solid. Um, I'd, I'd certainly consider a horde or two running down the flank, uh, give, them, give them a Lycanis, probably give them uh, Brewer Strength. That's one of my go-tos, or, or maybe even Pathfinder. Uh, no, I, I, uh, I like them. Uh, so far of, of my playing with the new hill rule, like I mentioned, this is the one unit that I've seen where it's actually had in-game effects. But again, if you're if you're counting on to get hill charges in a tournament or whatever when you don't quite know what the terrain is going to be like, you know, that's hard to play into your list design. And the fact that, you know, as Rashad said, whites are just five five points more expensive... You know, and kind of considering that maybe you're going to go more mid-range speed anyway, that the whites might be a better choice. But, you know, uh, still an interesting 
option. It's it's an army build choice, isn't it? Like I was saying at the start, uh, some people really, really like the surge, but if if you don't want to have much surge, that's fine. Go werewolf. And one thing I will note here, uh, which we did tweak the um, regiment um, percentage. So now regiments of large infantry are cheaper than they used to be. They don't unlock anymore, but they cost less. So there's pros and cons. What we actually wanted to do is we were going to revert them to uh, first edition, um, where they were actually troops, because it's just free models. A troop makes sense, and we, we were all set to do it. But the issue was Mantic already had all the um, uh, the boxes of miniatures saying regiment on, so it's like, well, okay. So it was it was a bit tricky, but uh, yeah, they so they don't unlock anymore, but they are cheaper. So pros and cons. And then that would have made sense, right? If they were a, technically a troop, then troops don't unlock. Yeah, right? I mean, te- technically they are a troop, but yeah. they're called a regiment because we can't change them due to the minches being out. But they are a troop in all in all, in, in, in all other uh, terms, basically. Well, next next in the army, moving right along, is the war engines, which is the Bellfire Catapult. And like many war engines, uh, the Catapult now has two shots on fives, but it's D3 plus one, so... Um, this is an interesting change, uh, Dan, and speak a little bit to it about that we've seen from war engines up and down throughout the whole edition is reducing the variance a little bit and trying to make a little bit more uh, reliable, less swingy uh, results from war machines. Previously, war engines, as, as we all know, very much hit or miss. When they miss, you might lose the game if you've spammed them. When they hit... Well, your opponent's lost the game in first turn. I mean, I, I was facing Ancor Mortars at uh, the last tournament. Um, that was An- uh, An- Andy 2D6, and uh, he, he, he's only got two of them. He hits first turn, uh, rolls a six, does maximum damage, does it again the second turn, undamaged uh, Guardian Horde. Oh, that's that's dead. And, and, and that's just war engines for you. Hit or miss. Either way, it kind of sucks for you or your opponent. We kind of wanted a middle ground to represent where things partially hit, but in a simple way. And that, that's what this does. It makes them more consistent. You'll still have times when you'll do a lot of damage, but it's less common. Uh, and you're going to have less times where you do nothing. So a bit more reliability, a little bit more fun, in my opinion. And with the Bellfire Catapult, you see a little bit of that flavor. It has a, an Unholy Flames ability, and you see this kind of sprinkled throughout uh, where units have, like, they can re-roll D3 of, like, it's not elite or vicious, right? But you can re-roll a few misses, and that's what this has, where you can re-roll D3 of the dice that failed to damage, uh, which can be, again, just, like, upping its um, uh, relia- reliability of just, you know, that variance of damage done. Um, so definitely this to to me, Dan, we talked about it, about like the werewolves. This is just an army building choice. If you want to have shooting and you want to have war machines, here's your options. It's not overpowered. It doesn't suck. It's just like, here it is. If you want to use it, you know, if you have models for it or you want to have war machines, here's your option to do so. Yeah. I mean, I had several from uh, first edition, uh, when testing, I, uh, tried running one to see if one was now viable. The answer is that it is. I liked it a lot. Especially putting wounds on other war machines, I think, for that it's going to be really, really good. Um, if you can't reach your opponent quick enough, it'll be nice to actually be able to reach out and touch a little bit. 
Mm. Plus, of course, Fearless 11. So if your opponent's winding and tries to do the same, it might fail. Previously, dealing with War Machines was something that you would only really think about if, if you're playing Abyssal Dwarves, right? Where I think War Machines now are a little bit more are goblins. And I think War Machines now is something that maybe is going to be a little bit more cross-meta that you actually have to think about how to deal with it. And I think counter-battering counter is a way to do that. But, uh, yeah, this is a fun little unit, I think. Plus, it, it's also an interesting uh, uh, design of army. I mean, while mo while pretty much no one played this way in 2nd edition, in 3rd, imagine you've got your infantry line and such. You take, say, three Balefire catapults, your opponent's probably going to want to deal with them. But if you send something fast in, well, you're just going to turn your unit around and surge. So you're like, please, go after the Balefires, go after the Balefires. And if you don't go after them, fine, you just keep catapulting them as the zombies edge forward slowly. It's quite good fun. Yeah, it's just such a thematic list, right? You can just, as you're building and thinking about, like, your slow, shambling horde just inexorably moving forward as they're being pelted by, you know, unholy balls of fire. And then, uh, yeah, so definitely some cool uh, stuff you can do with army construction. Um, so next on the list, monsters. We have a new model sort of making its way into Kings of War from Vanguard, which is the Gorblite. So excited. So talk a little bit about this, Jake, because I haven't really looked at this guy that much, and I know you're really uh, excited for this unit. So what are your thoughts on the Gorblight? So I think uh, I'm, the thing that stands out to me the most, again, is a modeling perspective almost more than a game perspective in that the Undead list didn't have large monster models except for characters riding dragons or worms. Um, and sometimes you don't want to pay, you know, the points for that, or you just don't want to, you know, have those particular models. And so I'm really excited that this gives some really cool potential options. You know, the Gorblight model itself is really cool and can be a great, like, focal point, but there's a lot of things that you could do depending on your theme. Um, but the Gorblight itself, I think, is also pretty cool. I like the change, so that Cloak of Death, so they, it's basically the same exact rule that the Cronius had at the end of second, but it's tweaked so that it's at the end of your move, which is nice because the pulse damage isn't going to be a lot, but it gives you some chip damage all around. And I think the important thing, especially in Undead, is a monster with its small base can very easily move, pivot, and then get surged into flanks, which is what Empire of Dust did so well in second, and now we get a little bit of that juicy surge flank goodness which i'm really excited to give a try do you want to know what the most funnest thing about the unit is yes it's a zombie mm -hmm. so you can get some really nice synergies with that vicious aura from the necromancer between the gore blade the zombie trolls and the zombies and have a really fun corpse army yeah, when we saw the miniature, because uh, Mantic showed it as shows a lot of the miniatures early, we were like, "Yeah, let's do it." It's a perfect move because without the zombie enticement, it's still good, but with that, you get a really nice, cool theme, and it just links together so well with those other units. And I'm glad we just finally had the monster. Yes. Yeah, you guys are exactly right. That is one thing that a lot of undead players had really asked for, which is give us a monster, you know, a, a zombie giant or like a, a zombie construct or abomination or whatever. You know, this was sort of a role that had been asking for units to be placed. 
And I really think you guys just mentioned it. Imagine, like, some zombies and then two hordes of zombie trolls and a gore blight with a necromancer with the vicious aura. I mean, that's a battle group. I've already right. purchased two gore blights for sitting right in front of me now. Yeah, I think it's great. And like you said, it's an awesome mantic model. Uh, it's it's really an interesting thing that you can do with, like, again, we're be seeing uh, the Swiss Army knife of undead building in that if you do want to make a zombie army, you can make, like, a really cool zombie army. And also, too, what's your first instinct when you feel zombies are... Uh, you want to make a zombie army, it's like, oh, so many models to paint. But I think that if you are looking for a project to maybe test out some of the contrast paints, you know, organic zombies are probably like a good a good candidate for doing like a more speed paint project. Or I think the zombies would, would play to that style of speed painting pretty well, I think. You could just imagine deploying a few of these between your zombies as well, and then you'll hopefully either get them into flanks or similar, and you're going to spread the aura of death around, and it just helps your zombies to break through tougher enemies. And they're pretty cheap for a monster, too. Sorry, I just went, they're 175 points. So that's, I mean, monster price-wise, that's pretty cheap. Like, you kill one unit, you've earned your points. I was going to say the ability to put wounds on a unit and then be able to charge um, into combat basically through a surge charge is also really, really nice. So you can basically put wounds on it and then charge. I love that about it. So next, and it's kind of uh, always been sort of a marquee uh, slot for the undead, which is the hero slot. So many choices. So many. Oh, yes. Just like Jake said, so many choices. One that pops off the the table to me right off the bat, and, you know, we'll go over a lot of these because there's a lot here, is I absolutely love, and I know Rashad's a big fan, of the change to the Revenant King. He's now now cheaper. He's still, he's defense 5-14. Uh, you can mount him. He's still inspiring, but now you don't. You can buy the surge if you want the surge. If not, if you just want a cheap character. And granted, he's not mighty, but hitting on threes with three attacks and crushing one, you're most likely get a damage whatever you attack. So I think the change to the Revenant King is a nice little subtle one. He's amazing. Yeah. He's he's very good. In uh, playtest initially, he was 60 points, I think, and uh, I spammed three of them. We put the points up. And I'm not surprised at all, because I think even at 80 points, he's a great value. I know Drake has said he was a fan of the Revenant King before, and so these changes just makes him more enticing. Um, But Greg, unfortunately, sold us on Dead Army, so I guess he can. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Last for me. You never sell a painted army. I've learned that lesson too many times. See, I, see, I love these because they've got a bit of fighty. They can actually potentially hold up a unit with the... Okay, but they're not mighty. But you can put them in, do a damage. At that point, you are blocking units. You can get Surge for pretty cheap on them. They're just really versatile. So cheap. And another uh, character that's had some really good changes, and I know that, Jake, you're a big fan, is the Necromancer. What are your thoughts on that guy? So, similar to what we were saying with the Revenant King, that drop in points, so the Necromancer is now 50 points, which is just dirt cheap for Surge 6, and then he's got some kit to make him more expensive if you want to give him more spells, uh, that Vicious Aura that we've talked about, you could mount him, um, but basically he's a banner carrier that doesn't inspire, but has Surge instead, and I think that's so 
valuable, even if you... So if you want to give him the Vicious R, it's 20 points. So 70 points, you can't mount him with once he gets that. So 70 points, you get just a nice little, you know, surge battery that's boosting your zombies. And he's, you know, that nice, dirt-cheap option that a Necromancer, I think, should be in comparison to some of the other casters in the list. So I'm really excited for him. Of course, if you did do that, you could always give him wings of honey maze. Then you've got a really versatile surger and uh, aura guy. And a really good model opportunity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I really like that you can give him drain life, uh, both in gameplay but also thematically. It fits into an undead army really well to have access to drain life. Now, I think that's great. And it's very powerful. It's very cheap as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like that points difference between it and the Lich because it makes their it separates their roles even more so in than second edition. You know, in second edition, the Necromancer was so always a good choice in that it was cheaper than the Lich, but just that having that even extra reduced cost with maybe slightly less, you know, uh, uh, spell power, I think is again it makes their roles distinctive and different enough. And I just think that Vish, as we've sort of talked about it previously that vicious zombie aura is also very thematic you know and goes with like what rashad was saying about the drain life um i think the necromancer is very good i was just going to say we we basically tried to keep the fun element of formations without the formations themselves which is where things like that aura uh, come in Cool. And then also, too, you know, we still have the Lich uh, as our super expensive, you know, but access to, you know, Surge 10 uh, still. um, This is interesting. I hadn't noticed this before. He's he's fly and then he's now dash. Yeah. And speed seven. And speed seven. Yeah. So uh, interesting. Yeah. Very nice. I mean, uh, we'll get to him, but. I've been seeing some lists with a Lich with Boots of Levitation and then flying along with Morgoth. So you have two speed 20 <laughs> casters that in, an, in a Surge army flying around. I mean, so much cheese. Icy Breath 10 isn't, isn't a terrible option either. Icy Breath 10, Blizzard 3, um, Lightning Bolt 5, you know, Drain Life, Band Chant 3. Anytime you can get a, a Band Chant 3 is good. Heal six, yeah. The ability to fly too, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, this guy's expensive, but definitely uh, undead characters have always been expensive, so that's not shocking to me. But the value here, like I'm, I swear I'm gonna run him with boots with with uh, levitation and Morgoth together and just freaking fly around to speed twenty surge casters, dashing thirty year olds again. No, I'm just I'm I'm gonna keep that list for when I play Tom and just be all like. That's the cool thing, isn't it? You know, you, you can go for your Lige Kings, you can go for your Necromancers, you could ignore both and just have Revenant Kings. So many different possibilities. You know, you can just do whatever you like. It's cool. I was gonna say he's great in general, just because um, having now a flying surger or a flying surge caster is great. I mean, obviously Morgoth is already fantastic at it. Revenant Kins are going to be good at surging, but this guy is going to make it very, very easy with that fly special rule to surge stuff. What I was going to say in general, though, about characters and, and heroes, uh, the undead in the last edition, they suffered a little bit because um, they have so many good character and hero options. And when we moved to unit strength for scenario scoring, oftentimes the characters were basically too expensive to take. And I like what they did in this edition. 
they adjusted the points cost for the characters and their abilities so that they're basically all viable. I didn't look at a single character in this book so far and went, ah, uh, probably not worth taking. They're all very, very good. And Dan, that seems to be, like Rashad said, a sort of addition-wide choice to try to make more character characters maybe a little bit more cheaper or more viable. Will you talk a little bit about what your guys' philosophy was on sort of character design? So in actual fact, it's kind of a reverse uh, change. So the idea was that the thing, people would always mount characters because it's just a no-brainer. You would always mount your character because it was quite cheap. So what we wanted to do generally was put up the price of mounts, but we actually wanted inventory ones to be viable. So what we did, of course, is we actually dropped the inventory uh, points and then effectively the mount puts it back to a similar sort of cost to what it was previously. Not always, but but vaguely similar. So it was just a conscious decision to try and make non-mounted characters more uh, viable. And, I mean, we see that with the vampire. You know, vampire still comes in all its different flavors uh, and is a little bit more cheap. Um, A lot more cheap. Yes. Yes. 165 just for a beat-faced character is tasty. Yeah, I'm really curious to see vampires on foot. You know, they're speed six, so not the crazy vampire speed, but like you said, seven attacks, 14, 16 on threes with crushing two duelists, which is nice, life leech, and they're mighty. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see vampires on foot running around supporting, um, like, uh, infantry. Or hide it behind your line, give it wings of honey maze, jump it out when you need to. So we've talked a little bit about some of the the old characters that Undead have had and how they've changed, but also we're getting some new uh, new one too, which is sort of the ghoul character, the ghoul cast. Um, I know you're a fan of this guy, Rashad. What do you what do you think of the ghoul cast? I I like it, and actually I wanted to mention this because the um, former U.S. Master Patrick Zoralan told me the other day on Countercharge, or sorry, on uh, After Dark, how he would run this unit. And he said he would run this with the wings of the honey maze because now you have, okay, he goes down to defense three. But the kind of things he would go after, such as war machines or caster, will usually not be able to go through him in one turn. And with wild charge, you'll be able to, in some turns, charge 23 inches. And I think that's just awesome. Like, I really, really like this character. Thank you. Attacks on three. This, this, this was one that I invented. I, um, I've always liked ghouls and armies of ghouls. And... Um, one of the ways I actually wanted to change them was adding the wild charge to, again, have another variant of infantry. And I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd really, really like a ghast in there. So I meant it made a model. So I was like, yeah, let's do it, let's do it. And no one complained, so we've now got a ghast. Yeah, and six attacks on threes with crush one for 95 points is great. It's 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 all you ever wanted from, like, a small, mm. like, a, a cheaper well, fighting character. Plus it inspires cannibals. I mean, who doesn't want to inspire cannibals? <laughs> and it's more and it's more options for theme right so that if you do have like a ghoul heavy army and you want like your ghoul your ghoul commander like your slightly elevated ghoul you know it's a little uh uh dapper maybe get a ghoul in a tuxedo you know you got it yeah, I've got I've got an awesome uh, Ghoul King uh, miniature from from years ago, which which I love, uh, which I'm, I'd, I'd I'd love to get out. But yeah, you, you could really see having a, a, an army quite heavy in ghouls, and uh, with those wild charges, you, you know, they, they're really quite kind of cool. I, I do like them. And then we still have the Big Daddy, the Vampire on the Undead Dragon. Uh, so for three fifteen, seventeen, nineteen. 
10 attacks on threes, crushing three, life leech two. But which, what is interesting, Dan, is that now he's got icy breath. And also, too, some options to, to actual some spells. spells yeah, icy breath, because that is right, isn't it? I, I have heard generally that undead dragons breathe uh, blue cold flame. Is, is that right, isn't it? It is known. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I really like it. And, of course, the fact is you're not paying for those the other spells anymore, you know, heal, surge, or whatever, if you don't want them. So it's 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 really versatile. And I do love Icy Breath. It's, it's a very hard-hitting unit, but with Icy Breath as well, you've actually got a, a, a character that can do multiple different things. It's quite good for scenario play. Um and yeah, I, I just really like the dragon, and, and it, it's it's a nice mantic model. Yeah, I, I I think it's a really really solid one. Yeah, it's great. I like that they took the spells off, like you said, because always what happened with vampires was that basically you had surge on them and you never used it, um, like maybe once in in a year. So that's really nice not to have to pay for that anymore. And uh, that thing looks scary. I mean, even especially with the life leech three item, I was thinking. Man, like getting three wounds back every turn while, while you know being in combat is just very very juicy. It's very nice. Mm, yeah, yeah. I uh, I also love the keywords uh, draconic and vampiric. I was quite quite pleased with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and again, uh, uh, keywords which uh, uh, even if they don't have rules in the book, that's okay, everyone. Let's uh, relax. Uh, often they're going to be used for future proofing, as uh, we've said previously. So We're coming up with all sorts of nefarious ideas. Awesome. Is, is, is it time for an evil laugh? It, <laughs> I think it... so. <laughs> you heard it here first on Counter Charge. So as we wrap up the episode, we're going to take a look at the undead unique units. And I think this has probably one of the, uh, to me, one of the most interesting changes as I did run him in second edition. And I've already been getting into debates on uh, his uh, auto-include nature. In my opinion, there isn't a list that he doesn't make better. And in many ways, that's kind of cool as he's uh, a very key character in the Mantic world, which is Morgoth the Faceless. So he's changed in some interesting ways. Uh, he's a little cheaper now. Uh, he's defense 5, no longer defense 6 points denial, but uh, he's got dread. Um, he's very inspiring, but the real kicker is that he can move at the double and still cast his now drain life 9, which is just crazy good. Yeah, he stood out to me the second I saw it, and I was like, Wow. Drain life synergizes so well on the list. It's so cool. And then when you have that super fly speed with drain life, it takes away the weakness of drain life. Um, and then dread obviously means that even if you're popping behind enemy, you know, units and whatnot, you're still, you know, pulsing out something that's going to impact them. And then also, I quite like uh, Mindfog three um, for some of that late game, just really reach out really far and just kind of poke them and try to make enemy units run away. If if uh, a mere range of twenty six is, isn't inches isn't enough. Uh, I, I played him once so far, and I gotta say he's a little overrated. No, I'm joking. He's fantastic, but um, I was wondering if he needed the levitation because it was already good without it flying ten inches and being able to drain life nine is fantastic already. But with levitation going twenty inches and 
and doing that all across the board is very good, especially in an army where you have so, so much access to hard-hitting units. To be able to get to switch a combat by two to three wounds is very, very big, and adding dread to that. So he's uh, he's fantastic. Is, and I agree. is he the new cheese? He's definitely the new cheese. Very much cheese. Yeah. I mean, one thing I will know is that is a lot of points with no unit strength. Uh, I mean, obviously he helped. He, he's great. I'm not. I'm not, not going to say otherwise. But it, it, he is very expensive. Uh, so I, I don't. You guys are probably right. It, it would would work well really with with any army. Uh, that drain life is super helpful. But it is a lot of points. If you're going werewolf heavy, you're not going to get much out. Your surge. You're still using the dread and the drain life. I don't think he's broken per se. It's just that I can't. I mean, that's really the one build, right? The non shambling elite build, maybe, where he wouldn't necessarily make your army better. But I'm of the thinking that it's okay for armies to have good things, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, a lot yeah. of times people don't want to don't want there to be like units that are so good that you take them every time. But I don't think that's inherently. A bad thing it's it's bad when there isn't any other options that are as good now morgoth you can still take other things like a lich can still be good so i don't necessarily he fits into that unfun aspect of something that's too good i just think he's great and he just really works so well with what the undead already does as an army yeah i mean we basically wanted the Manti, I mean, it's it's a nice Manti miniature, and we wanted to make him, you know, a, a, a good unit. And uh, I, th- I think we're there. I mean, obviously, if he turns out to be too good, you know, there's always uh, changes in in Clash of Kings and things. But I don't know. We'll we'll play it by ear. Don't listen to what Rashad says. He's <laughs> he, you know, he should have what my favorite keyword is that in this army, which is heretic. Rashad should have that for saying that Morgoth is too good. I mean, if you go blue, feel. I mean, I could look at emergency errata to get rid of the levitation, drop the drain life to five if you want. I mean, maybe. No, please don't. But I was <laughs> going to say, you, you're right about that. Because, like, even when you think about it, like, I ran a Vampire Lord 2 the other day um, and Morgoth in the same list. And arguably, for 230 points, like, I ran a Vampire Lord on a horse with Fury. Because I thought, okay, if he's closer to a dash 16, it's more like the way he used to be back in the day when he was defense six. And still he would only do like, I want to say two wounds per turn or something like that. Morgoth actually is going to come out to the same. Whether you Bane Chant or whether you use the Drain Life, it's going to make a three or four wound difference per turn. And I don't think that's overpowered. It's just that you can also for... For the same points cost, you could almost take three Revenant Kings. Uh, another similar option, it's not quite as versatile from a direction point of view. We can't go anywhere like Morgoth can. But Revenant King on Undead Great Flying Worm, it's similar points. It's much harder to kill, and it's got unit strength. And you can still add Surge onto it if you want. Um, so, yeah, it's not as versatile in the way Morgoth can boost anything. But you're preserving your points for unit strength, so I, f- I think I think there's pros and cons, and obviously it still adds uh, still adds damage. Yeah, and the the thematic part of it, like the fact that he has drain life now, it fits so well into the undead. I really liked that when that came out, and I bought the Morgoth model. I want to say a year ago because I just liked the model a lot. I was never going to play with it because 280 points, I could just never justify the undead list. But now he's actually very playable and. Again, that model just looks so awesome, like as if he's just a... 
that model is one of the more underrated Mantic models, I think. When it's painted really nice, it's a it's a really sweet model, I think. Yeah, beautiful. One thing I would like to say is we, we did try to touch various models and make them less unkillable, for example. I mean, Morgoth used to be uh, Defense 6, 17, 19. Uh, not actually many more points. Uh, now he's Defense 5. He's only 14, 16. Um, I say only, that's still solid. But by comparison, he's very killable. So if your opponent's now actually got... M- more possibility of actually taking him out so he's more effective but he's also slightly more risky in some ways yeah, so and, yeah, and, and you you lose the late game morgoth play of flying in front of a unit that's four inches away from an objective and being like you won't you don't get this objective this game because i'm defense six you'll never kill me in the last two turns of the game so he is morgoth is losing that one play style but to me he's losing the one play style which was the unfun thing to to play against him right exactly like that's that that's a, an element of play that's not really super fun of just dropping an unkillable character in front of your unit late game and being like okay i'm gonna win now so you're get you're he's adding more uh uh nuance and layers to what he's he can do but you're getting rid of some of his aspects of his that were unfun to play against yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously not everyone's necessarily going to agree with our opinions, but we tried to reduce the things which many people say is less fun. Uh, so defense six individuals, there's, there's far less of them now. I mean, obviously there's still uh, a loader, but she's been tweaked up too. Hmm. Yeah, so like Dan says, we still have Ilona. Uh, we still have my main man, uh, Jarvis still in the list so again uh giving you a stompy combat foot character and then also giving you jarvis which is always fun to kind of uh try uh if you want to throw in uh good stuff so um well cool Uh, i'm curious was there anything uh uh that you can share with us uh dan maybe that didn't make it into the undead list that maybe we might see in the future or any hints or or anything that we might expect to see that you can share or or maybe something that you really uh uh your sort of favorite thing about the undead army having worked on developing it for third edition yes please talk about ophidians (laughs) well actually that's quite interesting Uh, oh no wait a minute no can't talk about that sorry um well i mean i was obviously very pleased to see the monster i was very pleased to get the ghast in i got got the revenant cavalry hordes i'm actually very happy with with what i managed to get in there uh i mean we did once design a uh, full-size uh undead uh, giant similar to the one uh, empire of dusk had but it's nice to have different ways to keep the armies a little bit different um so I think that works quite well. As to what happens in the future, I mean, uh, we'll just have to uh, wait and see. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, before we wrap up the show, why don't we go ahead and talk a little bit uh, uh, of maybe some kind of like possible builds that we might see here on the early the early undead. Jake, I know you sort of mentioned it a little bit, but do you want to take us through maybe sort of the 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 initial third edition list that you're working on? Sure. Um, so. This is just like a hypothetical list that I made that I may or may not be working on. Um, can't confirm or deny. But it's for 2,000 points, um, and it is trying to utilize 
models that I own but haven't really used a ton. Um, so it's three regiments of zombies, um, three regiments of Soul Reaver infantry, six regiments of Death Pack, and then it has two vampire lords on foot and Morgoth the Faceless, and then like 70, actually like 30th fish points to play around with for upgrades, depending on what I want to put on things. But that's sort of a list idea I had. I love it. Vampires and all their little, like, uh, courtesan attendants, like, running right. around, you know, uh, uh, that they f- bent to their will, plus Morgoth just going around giving dread and heal or bane chant to soul reavers. And, like, like I said, I think vampires on foot, I'm really curious to see, so how they work. Um, the foot vampires are. 90% because I have a lot of GW vampire characters on foot that I really like, that I've never had an opportunity to really use. Um, so I'm like, screw it. I'm not going to put them on horses. I'm going to put them on foot, and they'll just keep up with the rest of the army, even though maybe horses might be better, but time will tell. At least now there's a bigger points difference between the two. Yeah, for sure. That was one thing I was thinking. Keeps them nice and cheap. Not quite cheap, but nice and affordable. Well, Rashad, I've already heard about your game in the Basilean Inner Circles. Uh, what you did to poor Kyle has already been transferred to the uh, the generals of the Basilean armies. Uh, can you take us a little bit through sort of the list, your initial list that you've been playing? I have access to new cheese. Yes. I'm running similar to what I was running last year. I'm, I'm just switching up my list a little bit, making a couple of adjustments here and there. Um, I'm running two troops of Revenant Calf Troop. Why? Because, well, I think they're the best trap in the game. With that, I'm running two regiments of Soul Weaver Infantry, uh, one with Elite, one with Pathfinder, sort of like just to use the Revenant Calf Troops as the chaff for the Soul Weaver Infantry. Um, one horde of Whites with the Wine of Elvenkind, another horde of Whites with the Brew of Haste, Morgoth the Faceless, because why not? <laughs> one Revenant King and an Undead Horse uh, with Surge and the Loot, I have a regiment of wraiths in here, a necromancer with the inspiring talisman, and a revenant cab horde with Sir Jesse's boots of striding, or the mammoth, how I like to call them. And it's 11 drops, it's not too drop heavy, but it's got pretty good unit strength, and I think uh, 21 or 22 unit strength, and a lot of different surge options, that's what I like the most about it. Two hordes of whites, and the uh, revenant cab, and the uh, uh, rates are all very, very good viable uh, search targets, and there's three search t- uh, casters in the list, so I really like that. And just super punchy, man. Those whites is just super, super, super punchy. Yeah, and the Soul Weaver Infantry, too. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, uh, my game against Kyla had Elite and Vicious on them, and I, I don't remember if it was the Elite or Vicious one, but one of them basically charged a uh, Paladin Foot Guard troop, I'm sorry, Paladin Footguard Regiment, 1517 Defense 5, into a forest. So they were hindered. But even with hindered, I think they went through that unit in one turn. So they're quite the meat grinders. I really think Soul Weaver Infantry, you're going to see a lot of Soul Weaver Infantry regiments in this uh, version, in this edition, I think. And the models are great. I just picked them up. Don't like all the helmets, but in general, they are like very, very sexy models, actually. What about you, Dan? Um, I know you 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 play Undead, you play Empire of Dust, Herd, lots of different armies, but maybe a, a Undead 3rd edition list that you liked during playtests or that you maybe have on your horizon, or what are you sort of looking at for Undead in 3rd edition? 
so I'm thinking of throwing out a uh, zombie uh, spam list. Uh, I'm actually thinking uh, for the base zombies, just regiments, because at 70 points, that's unit strength two. So two of those, 140, obviously that's cheaper than a legion and the same unit strength. So zombie regiments, uh, zombie troll hordes, uh, we've got some gorb lights, perhaps three necromancers, uh, maybe one in the centre with the wings, all three of them with auras. Uh, and then maybe just perhaps one uh, worm somewhere and then just loads and loads of unit strength very few individuals so it's it's just ridiculous amounts wherever the opponent comes in you're going to be able to surge uh, I may take one unit of uh, white as well we'll see and I, 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 I think that's just going to be awesome because wherever your opponent hits I mean don't really care I mean you know it it's, it's all pretty tough uh, you can throw out zombies everywhere and yeah yeah I, I, I think that'll be fun and your opponent will be like what do we kill first and I'll be like I don't care <laughs> that's the great thing about zombies when I uh, at Adepticon I was running um uh like five regiments of zombies and it's just so great it's just you the first things you deploy you're like kill them if you want and half the time people don't even try so it's like in loot or, or, or in like pillage type scenarios they're almost giving up two tokens to you or a token to you that they're not even going to ever go over there because it's more points to go kill that regiment of zombies than it is you know just to leave it alone yeah i, I think it'll be a bit of a laugh uh, it'll be interesting to see how it uh, works out um, i mean i've got um the uk masters coming up first so uh that'll be my uh, uh second edition swan song then into the next year i'll be getting serious into uh, third edition so uh, that, 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 that'll be fun how about you jeremy what's your thought on the list so i'm so focused on trying to get like my basileans done that when i played in the one day tournament it was pretty much my second edition list but in third edition what I did like is, you know, I think Morgoth is great. I think there's something in the mid-range. So when a mid-range, a mid-range surgible speed list, maybe some some ghouls. I think double revcav hordes as a center is really interesting, and just doing like this and whites and stuff. So where you have just all this really durable mid-range speedy sort of type things that you're just going to outlast your opponent so i could definitely see like two hordes of reb cav two hordes of whites as uh, as sort of like a center battle line with morgoth and i'm gonna do it i want to run the lich with boots so that i have two 20 fly 20 casters um kind of like an undead elite list but like an undead elite skeleton list like kind of like the lord of the rings or it's like they're the uh, the skeletons but like the personal guard like morgoth's personal guard of skeletons so they're like the navy seals of skeletons or something i think i think there's something there some nice little flavor or or something and i've always been such a big fan of skeletons so i think doing a skeleton themed army could be really cool absolutely I mean, that was definitely my hope with the uh, changes, that we'll start seeing some skeletons. And, and like I was saying earlier, those skeletons with spears, they're, they're very nice units. 
And I always took them because I loved the models and I had them, but it was always a conscious choice that it was like, I'm taking these skeletons knowing that zombies are of greater value, are greater, you know, uh, min-maxing, but I just like skeletons. I just love skeletons. You know, Jason and the Argonauts, I've just always been, like, a, a big fan of skeletons. So I think that there would be a really thematic, cool model opportunity, but still competitive skeleton list. I think that's where my juices are flowing here in the early early days. You know, one thing we didn't actually <clears throat> talk about earlier, but those skeleton spearmen, you know, I mean, not only have you got phalanx, but an extra attack, you also plus one unit strength because they go over the threshold of 100 points. That's a lot for 20 points. They're very nice. Yeah, yeah. they lose that expandable, right, uh, keyword and the, the reduction on... Uh, uh, unit strength because of that cost and i'm i'm of the mind and this is something we talked in the basilean list and tom annis and i have talked a lot about uh the phalanx horde on a flank in terrain is just shutting down that flank um and what are what are the type of units that you like to normally put on a flank things that are fast with tc right so I think a horde of phalanx is is another one of those components that fits so well into many combined arms sort of lists. So definitely a good unit. Can, can you imagine how cool an army of skeleton spearmen would look? All uh, sort of like monoposed spears, blah blah, and cool shields. Yeah, that'd be that'd look so good, and it's just something I've never seen in Kings of War. So yeah, I mean, you do four. You could do four hordes of skeleton spearmen with like hordes of whites as supporting them are in between them, you know, and then you do put some caster support and then put ba- Bellfire Catapult so your opponents have to come to you. Yeah, there, you could do a lot of really fun stuff with skeletons, I think. And in general, again, as we wrap up the show, I think it's good to sort of come back to, as, as we kind of talk about it, this army, again, we talk about all these different variety of options, which is really the true, like, magic that's, animates the undead army is the fact that you can't uh-huh. really play it you know <laughs> see what i did there you can play it in like so many different ways yeah and every time you look you see something else but you think oh actually i, I quite fancy that that, that would be kind of cool <laughs> yeah i would say the bones of this army are quite tough yeah i think so. i think that's a, a astute observation <laughs> and overall again i think the reworking of this army, they did a really good job. I really didn't look at the list thinking, oh, this is not going to be good. Whereas in the last edition, because of obvious, you know, rules changes and things that general rules changes, especially the, um, the, how, how, how one would score in, in, in a game, uh, changed the army quite a bit. And it was uh, a needed update, basically. And, uh, everything looks good, in my opinion. I didn't see something that I didn't like. That's positive. Yeah, I think at the end of second edition, Undead had really kind of not gotten shoehorned, but there was elements of that list that really didn't function at super high levels. I don't think being Absolutely. someone who you know who really tried to make I love vampires and would take a mounted vampire through the whole edition or the reduction to Unistrike and werewolves. It was never it never made them bad, but if you were trying to build a super hyper competitive list. By the end of second edition, how all of the rules update changes had really had sort of guided you into making a certain type of army. And I feel that now looking at this list, I no longer feel like I'm being guided one way or the next. I think there's lots of different things you can do. 
I, I mean, just just for, just for one more thing, just to say, but it would be really, really cool and fun. Lady Alona and Thrall pull the enemy units forward. Oh, look, there's a flank there now. I'll surge in there. Thank you. Goodbye. Absolutely. <laughs> it, she's very expensive, but I think that's what you should pay if you want to have the most powerful, like, uh, you know, combat character on the on the battlefield or actually in the game probably like i don't think there's anybody else yeah. she she can't do this too so yeah. even other vampire lords are going to be like oh i can't i can't mess with this yeah yeah crushing strength free as well she, she is the biggest yeah. badass anti-infantry uh, guard ever is basically and yeah, lightning also- bolt lightning bolt three is nothing to show the throw at either when you're moving around getting where you need to go you know and I love that Mantic keeps making uh, female vampire models as well, like the, even the vampire on the dragon. I love that they they make the females the most powerful characters in the in the undead. I think that's really cool and thematic as well. Mm. Gotta love a strong woman. Gotta love a strong woman. <laughs> well, on that note, I think that I'm excited. Really happy to have you guys on the show. Thank you for coming on. We got a lot of juicy, tasty, half rotten discussion. Uh, so again, if you're not familiar with Unplugged Radio or Dash 28, make sure you check that out. Um, I'm a big fan of everything that you do, Jake. So definitely, if you haven't yet checked out Unplugged Radio or Dash 28, uh, make sure to check those out. I know, Jake, you guys, I uh, I saw it just got released, so when this episode gets put out, it should be a, a little bit. You Unplugged did their review of 3rd Edition? Yes, Yeah. we just put that out. Um, on Thursday so that's been posted um, and we really do just a very like cursory overview of our thoughts and changes things that grabbed us with very little actual game experience much like what we're doing here but rather than focusing on an army it's the edition as a whole yeah, so make sure to check out that podcast if you haven't. It's a, a really colorful cast of characters and personalities, um, so definitely check them out. Um, Rashad has been helping to be a champion of getting people onto After Dark. Uh, we've talked about it enough in the show. I don't really need to go into it, but After Dark's our painting hangout that we do on Google, Google Hangouts. Uh, last night we had Jesse, Cornwell, myself, and Rashad, and it was... Hilarious, Rashad, you should have heard what happened after you left, which I can't uh, talk about on air. But uh, if you want to know, you should come on to After Dark. Um, I can't wait. I'm gonna, you know me, I'm, I'm gonna uh, be on there too. Yeah, well, there's some there's some stuff was discussed. But um, as far as you, Dan, what's what's on your horizon? You have Masters, UK Masters coming up. Yeah, that's in oof, a couple of weeks' time. I'll be taking the Empire of Dust most likely. It's been a solid performer for me recently. So, yeah, and then obviously just sinking into third edition. Um, I've got so many armies I want to take. Um, I'm vaguely tempted. I did, did fancy the Northern Alliance, but there's going to be a lot of those. My herd army actually works quite well as a future potentially Northern Alliance because I've, I've I've got I, I, I don't know there's lots of possibilities Undead would be great Varangur uh, lots of options it's nice to have options isn't it it is and that's the best part of a new edition and this is stuff that Rashad and I have talked about and Jake and I too and all of us is it's so fun to be at this new sort of like period of unknown 
And I think dealing with the unknown, you can you can come at it from like a fixed standpoint where you see uh, challenges or obstacles as barriers, but in many ways, obstacles and challenges can be pathways to mastery, and they can be opportunities to explore new things and go on new adventures and learn about yourself and other people. And I think uh, for my two cents as a, the positivity fascist that I am, is that we can look at third edition and focus on the things that have changed as barriers, or we can look at it as this really plentiful and rich soil to uh, come up with new stories and new adventures and, uh, uh, you know, really look at uh, new exciting things that we get a chance to uh, not have to wait three years to play. So I'm excited. <laughs> I've been I've been jacked up. I think uh, being a modeler and a competitive gamer both, and also too just the the my always hope and wish for Mantic had been a continuation in its maturation as a company and its growth and its professionalism. And minus all the little things that I think they still know that they need to continue to grow on. The beauty and art in these new books is so high, and the added of narrative and fluff is so cool. I really feel like. No longer am I just playing in uh, with a rule set. I'm beginning to become invested in the world, which is that's how you really grow a fan base is you get them invested in your world and you build those worlds. So hats off uh, to you guys. I know rule, rules committee is hard work. Uh, and I want to thank all of you for coming on the show. Uh, remember to check out the Countercharge Facebook group. Uh, we have some good dialogues going on there. Um, if you have any questions, you can always shoot myself or Rashad messages about After Dark. If you have questions about After Dark, uh, just just you were saying about the uh, the books and everything. Obviously, Uncharted uh, Empires uh, just went off to uh, print, and uh, that's awesome too. Some great artwork in there. And actually, I'm really tempted by Sylvan Elves. We've got a uh, a living legend um, tree uh, tree shambler uh, and uh, it's, oh, it's really cool he's, he's, he's basically like a deaf tree he's got the aura of death and he, he gives some all vicious or something all the other tree units uh, oh it's so cool so I'm really tempted to make a tree army I've always wanted to ever since seeing uh, the the, the uh, so second Lord of Rings via the, the two towers where all the trees come out all the ends so uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm, I may well do that silver army it's tempting can't wait to see it Awesome. Rashad, Jake, you guys have any shout outs? Surgeon Destroy. Surgeon Destroy. <laughs> For all the undead generals out there, always remember to Surgeon Destroy. <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm good. Uh, thanks for the kind words about the podcast and the website. Um, I'm just excited to get back invested in the game and, you know, really see what third edition has for me. Awesome. Absolutely. Been a pleasure, guys. And remember to always keep counter charging with meat pies. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Counter Charge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.